You are listening to The Lift Mindset, where we provide an update from the experts. The aim of our podcast is to inform, educate and entertain. We will be sharing our views on current trends and predictions for 2021 about the industries the Lift Financial Group cover. Today, we have two experts from Lift Invest. We have Dan Thompson, Portfolio Manager, and James Cartwright, Investment Administrator. This podcast does not constitute advice. Hi, Dan. Can you give me an update on the industry? Yeah, of course. This month's a slight change. So we're going to cover almost the past 12 months, so 2021. I've also got James joining me today who will chip in with a few of his own comments and some interesting statistics on inflation and a few other bits. So where do we start? Me and James were discussing what topic would be best. And I think it's obvious that it would be a mistake not to start with COVID. COVID clearly hasn't gone away. We expected coming into the year that it wouldn't just fall away. It would still have some impact both our lives and our markets. COVID going back 12 months, November last year, that was when the big vaccine announcements happened and markets rallied in tandem very strongly, best month for several decades across various different equity regions last November. And since then, markets have still continued that upward trajectory through the year. But COVID has in part reared its ugly head at times and has impacted market sentiment. So really our view now is it will still be a factor next year. But also Ultimately, COVID is impacting short-term outcomes rather than anything long-term. With the Omicron variant, there is some short-term volatility off the back of that, but it's still very unlikely that there will be large-scale lockdowns in places like the UK or the States. The States, even at the height of COVID last year, it was very difficult to create a unified approach across their whole nation, across all the states. So really, as Omicron and other variants and other COVID news has come out, it's really only affected the fear and greed to steal. Uh, Warren Buffett's phraseology. It's only affected how market participants are feeling around the underlying earnings of companies without those earnings actually being affected to any great extent. So what we really look for in a long-term view on behalf of our clients are factors which have got the potential to upset or impact positively or negatively the earnings of underlying businesses and the ability on the fixed income side for companies to pay the bondholders that they have borrowed money from. There are a few factors there which, as we move forward, will discuss. So three different long-term aspects that are loosely connected by the word ever that have all cropped up throughout this year are ever given, which is the ship, if you remember, right back to the start of the year that blocked the Suez Canal. Evergrande, which is the largest indebted property developer in the world and is potentially going to go through default. And two questions, really, at the start of the year, it was, will there ever be any more inflation? And now it is, will inflation last forever? So big inflation queries. And as we've discussed at length on these podcasts over the last six months or so. I'll start with Evergrande. So Evergrande is in the news once again. I won't cover all the history because I covered it in some detail a few months ago. But in September, they missed a bond payment and basically waited until the very last minute to pay that bond payment, which temporarily has appeased markets. But in the meantime, there have been a few concerns about foreign investors in bonds of Chinese businesses. And that bond payment, did that signify greater weakness in the financial sector in China and whether their ability to repay their debts was that now on hold potentially and would the Chinese regulator have to start to change its tack and start to support some of these businesses which over recent years they've been quite keen to try and crack down on and make sure that they weren't levered up to the hilt as much as they have been. They're in the news again because they have got another bond payment due and the restructure which was expected in October time which didn't happen 
happen is now expected once more to occur. They have borrowed up to $300 billion from investors to invest in growth and to buy and construct different properties for the Chinese middle class. And that huge debt mountain they sit on, a lot of that is owed to other related businesses and other services within the Chinese economy. So the big question is, if Evergrande fails, then will there be some contagion impact across not only the Chinese economy, but also potentially the global economy? Because the growth in China, particularly of their middle class, has been a huge vector for global growth over recent years. And James will come on to that growth story in a few minutes. That's one fact that we are looking at, which has potentially got large repercussions globally, not only in December as we are now recording this, but also potentially in 2022 and the impact that may have on sentiments for Chinese equities. And again, whether market participants move to become more fearful just because there are always these risks. And right now we're sat at a point where markets are generally quite greedy. They're on the side of positivity and actually something big that happens like this could drastically impact sentiment and drastically impact drawdowns. So it's all ifs and buts and whether it happens or not. But always it is quite dangerous when you're sat at a position of positivity and you're conscious about negative news. Now, there is some balance. We'll come on to other thoughts we have for next year and they're not all negative. So again, there are unknowns about what happens next year as always. But I wouldn't say we're going into next year with huge bouts of positivity and expectations that it's going to be a stellar year. There are big factors on either side, which may mean it's a good year and may mean it's a bad year. And as always, it's likely we end up somewhere in the middle. But just moving on to the second topic. So Ever Given, as I just mentioned, was the Taiwanese ship which blocked the Suez Canal earlier in the year. And it hasn't got in itself large long-term repercussions. It did take some time for the ship to become unstuck and for the Suez Canal to properly reopen. But what it did represent is how supply chains over recent years have changed. And much of that has really been due to the e-commerce boom, where clearly now we buy a lot of products, not only because of COVID, but also the long-term shift in that direction. Because of e-commerce, you know, one of the big factors of competition is price alone. So there's been this big push towards sourcing products for as cheap as possible from anywhere on the globe. And that's led to increased dependency on many Asian nations who are able to produce at lower prices price points to many nations in the developed world. Consequently, when Ever Given got stuck, there was a big bottleneck for supply. And ultimately, not because of Ever Given, but because of the lockdowns, those supply bottlenecks have spread across many different industries and has really produced supply side inflation. One sector, for example, has been the semiconductor industry. So we talk all about supply bottlenecks, and actually the supply there is still at an all-time high. But the supply required just is so high now because we simply can't cope with demand. The price of the semiconductors which are available have increased and that's impacted the price of cars and the supply of cars and you're seeing secondary effects so the second-hand car market. Some cars in the UK between the ages of three and five years have increased by almost 40% over the last 12 months. 
that is purely due to those cars have clearly already been produced. They're already in the market. They're already here and they aren't as dependent upon new cars being supplied and bought across to the UK and other nations. So inflation really is the big factor related to Ever Given. And James, do you want to mention a few topics? I know that you've been looking at inflation in some detail. Thanks a lot, Dan. So just to recap for everyone where we were at with inflation, in the 12 months to October, UK CPI is at 3.8%. The Eurozone is at 4.9%. And the US is at 6.2%, which is actually a level not seen since November 1990. Now, unfortunately, central banks are bracing themselves for these soaring prices to continue into 2022. And whereas one of the key terms of much of the year was that these figures would prove to be transitory, as Jay Powell, the governor of the Federal Reserve, has been saying all year, because as the economy opens up and roars back to life, he says due to the base of eventually these sort of higher prices would subside. This term is now effectively being retired as countries battle with the supply side issues Dan has been talking about. But there's also been a real surge in energy and commodity prices. So ultimately, this brings us on to the very real fear that inflation could give way to stagflation. This is a worst of all world scenario whereby rising prices is combined with stagnating economic growth. Generally speaking, it occurs when an economy suffers a supply shock like a rise in energy prices, and it has the unfortunate effect of reducing output and increasing prices. Stagflation is particularly difficult to combat as it requires both fiscal and monetary policy to work in tandem across a long period of time to stabilise supply, combat inflation and keep unemployment low. Just to give you an idea of the difficulty of this, whereas high interest rates could help keep inflation under control, it would also simultaneously result in higher unemployment and also discourage investment to combat the supply side problems. However, if we take another policy like an increase in investment from the government in something such as infrastructure, that would naturally improve the supply side part of the problem, but it would also increase the danger of inflation rising. And on top of that, infrastructure investment can take years to come into effect. We only need to look at HS2, which this will be going on for about 10 years or so. Excellent. Thank you very much, James. So just touch on a few points that James mentioned there at the beginning when he mentioned the different rates of inflation in different nations. So clearly 2% is actually the target for the central banks globally. It's a pretty unified target. Some inflation is good, but too high inflation is clearly a bad thing. And that's what the worries are about now. The US actually changed earlier in the year their 2% target to be a average target rate, which doesn't sound like a lot, but basically it meant that they were able to overshoot their target for a while and still be targeting that average 2% rate because it had undershot for many years prior. Another term, the base effect. Now, it's one that I've mentioned earlier in the year. The first cause of inflation when we hit June, July time this year was that base effect. And what it is, because inflation is at a headline level mentioned on an annual basis, it is very much dependent on what the prices were at the same point. 12 months ago. So clearly 12 months ago from March, April, May was when we were all in lockdown and when a lot of prices, the big one was in the press quite often was energy prices, depending on which benchmark you used. Oil prices were in the low 30s or even in the futures market were close to zero or at one point are actually negative. There were huge price shocks last year and clearly that meant that 
when you were comparing figures from this year to last, inflation naturally looked extremely high. So at the beginning of the year, this term transitory was mentioned by every central banker and everybody else in the the monetary side of things, because really they are seen as one of the bodies which have got a set target to try and target inflation. So they were all really saying that it was transitory, that they weren't really going to act. Since then, clearly inflation has stayed at these elevated levels and actually clearly increased. There has been a bit of this base effect already trying to drop off, but actually the supply side issues have more than offset that. And in a lot of industries, we are still seeing big increases in prices. It was supply side issues that impacted the natural gas price a few months ago. You're seeing it in sectors such as timber, you're seeing it in all kinds of commodity sectors like wheat, grain, soybean. You're seeing it in all kinds of very much under the radar sectors, but inflation is there and it is broad and it is clearly impacting how economies are functioning and impacting how monetary policy is likely to be managed in the coming months and quarters and potentially years. So where we are now is that Jerome Powell has has openly said, really, the term transitory needs to be retired from the lexicon of central bankers, and they all do need to start thinking about inflation being longer lasting and there having to be some kind of policy to dampen that inflation. That has sent markets into a bit of a spin in the short term. Admittedly, it has been alongside the Omicron variant, but really Jerome Powell coming out and saying that has now hinted at rates potentially being hiked a little bit quicker than markets were expecting. That said, it still isn't going to be huge hikes. We're not going to see 1%, 2% rises in the next 12 months. But what we are going to see is likely one, if not two, hikes in the next six months in the UK and in the US at least one next year if not two and again that's been brought forward because at the beginning of the year it was expected that the earliest hikes would be in 2023 but remember we, we're still at record low levels so in the UK the base rate is still 0.1 percent the lowest it's ever been and there was discussion ahead of the November committee whether they would take that meeting to hike rates to 0.25 percent still extremely extremely low But, you know, just that hike would indicate that we are entering a new phase of monetary policy where rates are increasing rather than being cut, which has clearly been the path of interest rates over the last few decades. When we were in November, markets actually more than priced a rate hike around 70 percent of the market were pricing for a rate hike. And the Bank of England decided not to in the end. Now, there was off the back of that bond markets actually reacted favourably because yields remained at lower levels for slightly longer. But really, there was a wholesale move to price in a rate hike later this month. So there's another meeting in December. And there's only ever been one rate hike in the UK before done in December. But nevertheless, the markets were very much set on there being a rate hike in December. But now clearly, Omicron has put a slight spanner in the works. Now, Andrew Bailey, he's come under some criticism for his mixed communication around whether rates will be hiked now or whether he will wait a bit longer. In his statement in November, when he stated that actually the committee had agreed not to, he said that they were going to wait for more data on things such as the unemployment data post the furlough scheme ending. And much of that data came back very positive. A lot of those employees have now gone back to work and are not unemployed, which was the fear. But as I say, Omicron, if 
there is serious fear about lockdowns and they're obviously constraining demand and economic growth as James mentioned and that's the stagflation kind of environment then you know that may be a reason that he cites as again not raise rates in December there is mixed feelings over whether Andrew Bailey should be doing more on the communication side or whether he's doing about the right amount of communication. Obviously, markets would like there to be a lot of clarity, but at the same time, there are some benefits of there being mixed messaging, not necessarily from a pure capitalist perspective, but actually in terms of the wider economy, if Andrew Bailey is not as clear as other central banks have been in years gone by around how he will manage monetary policy, then that may mean mean that banks, for example, are less inclined to lend money, which economically, when we're in an environment which is highly inflationary, may actually be beneficial because it takes the top off some lending and some investment and some consumption, which are all factors which impact GDP and, and therefore inflation. That's one of the two big things we're watching for next year. So the first one clearly being impacts for, for economic growth, whether that be the supply side issues continuing or things like Evergrande, which potentially would upset the demand of the middle class in China and, and therefore globally, as well as this big monetary policy point. So it's nigh on guaranteed there will be rate hikes next year, both in the UK, US and further afield. There's just a question about whether there are more hikes priced in. And of course, markets are forward looking. So they will react ahead of time to any changes in in expectations around whether rates and the outlook of monetary policy. So that potentially has got some impact for markets next year. But ultimately, actually, if there are some rate hikes and the market manages to adapt to slightly higher rates quickly, then really, because that's a big fear now, there's a potential fear of a taper tantrum when the central banks start to relieve some of the very generous quantitative easing measures that they've bought out over recent years actually when those policies are announced and if the markets still cope with them then we could be on for quite a positive year because ultimately such a fear is then behind us if there are less fears ahead then it's likely that that markets will again move to be more positive and, and potentially more greedy so time will tell but it is still a mixed picture as is always coming into a new year there are positives and negatives i wouldn't expect it to be a roaring year and there are clearly risks on the horizon but ultimately i wouldn't be surprised if economic growth is still positive if not five six seven percent potentially if we do see some of these supply side issues issues be alleviated and some of the demand which was expected this year just to be delayed until next year. That's another question whether some of this demand which has been voided due to the supply side issues whether it's demand destruction or delayed demand. So we're currently in the camp where it is just delayed demand. There will be, I'm sure, some headlines around how much expectations around that spending come true and how much of it is potentially missed just because people decide to start keeping more in their pockets because of inflation. So that's really the story. Some positives, some negatives. Obviously, we remain looking out for factors which may impact the long term outcomes of our clients. Thank you for listening. We hope you have learned something new today from our experts. If you would like to find out more, please visit our website www.lift-invest.com or search for Lift-Invest on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn and Instagram. Don't forget to like and subscribe to hear more from the Lift Mindset.